0: Can you give Peter a really big welcome as he comes to share God's Word with us now? Thanks, mate. Thanks, Church, and
1: uh, thanks, Nathan, as well. Isn't it good to have our senior pastor back? I don't know about you, but I always, feel, I always feel more comfortable, brother, when you're here. So is that the best we could do, Church, for our senior pastor? He's back from two weeks holiday. Yeah. Uh, Welcome everyone and welcome to those that are watching online too Terrific to have you sharing with us this morning Well I want to start with a survey Uh, It might be a bit hard for those online, I'm sorry about this But anyway, if you have in some way or other been affected by COVID You have had something postponed, a problem with a wedding Or maybe a funeral possibly as well, some sort of meeting, whatever If you have been affected some way or other over this COVID season Just put your hand up for a moment, have us a look have a look around, that is a lot of people, have a look, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people, yeah. It's been hard, has it not, to make plans in this sort of season that we're in at the moment. Um, it's hard to get momentum up. Do you recall that Sunday that we had here and we were celebrating the fact that we could move from four square metres back to two square metres and we could get more people in and then the very next Sunday, you know what happened? Boom, lockdown, full on, nobody could come at all. That's how it was. What about last week when we were giving a big clap about the fact that we only had to wear our masks um, um, when we were standing and we were seated and everyone said, hallelujah, praise God. And now look at you all this morning. (laughs) Masked up. Well, many of you anyway, masked up. There you go. That's how it's hard it is uh, to get the momentum up at this particular time. For some, um, this has been especially difficult. Loved ones have been in hospital and you haven't been able to be with them. Um, some in aged care homes have had, you know, seasons where they're qu- quite alone. Um, some have lost loved ones overseas in this time. Here in our own church, for some there's been a loss of income and 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 work, um, and, and for and for some there's this real unknownness about what the future holds for them. Um, I was. Um, reading Peter Francis's um, blog this week who's the principal of Million College and he spoke about uh, a dinner he was at with a number of business um, men and women and they were um, talking together and as the night went on there was a fair few drinks going on on that particular night and it was sort of moving into that space where they were all talking about how good their business was or whatever else we love the business community by the way uh, I just want to least mention that but it was sort of going in that and then the person opposite him said this I don't know what on earth is going on in our world but it's going crazy seriously there are days when I just want to pull the doona up over my head and wish the world would just go away wow that's from a business leader that's our world at the moment there's a lot of pressure on people feeling this at the moment but it's not just the pandemic of course that causes this um, unsettling for us on the journey of life. There can be other events. There are accidents that take place, serious accidents. There are illnesses. There's a loss of a partner. We've just shared in Jesse's funeral, uh, of, of Melissa's um, um, funeral um, on Friday. Um, there's business failures. There's relational Break down, there's needs to move to a place where maybe people don't want to move to. It causes this disjointedness, this difficulty, this uncertainty about life. One of the reasons we've turned to the book of Jeremiah in this particular season is because this Old Testament prophet preacher lived in an era like this, an era of great uncertainty. The world power at that particular time, Babylon, Babylon was threatening um, the Jewish nation, and then subsequently came and invaded, um, sacked the city, and did lots of things. Took people into exile. Um, actually, the exile—the way that they arranged it was that they would take out the 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 the, the professional classes, the artisans, the um, political people, the merchants. Take those um, out of the land. It would sort of leave the people leaderless, so that they are easier to control and um, manipulate, and do whatever they wanted in there. Um, um, leadership of that particular community, and then the idea was that if you took that particular class back to Babylon, where um, they would be then enculturated into Babylon thinking, Babylonian thinking, you can imagine the trauma for those who went into exile, can't you? The terrible memory, memories of the events that had brought about the overthrow of their capital and their, their capture not good things happen in the middle of war. We know that. The sense of powerlessness with no authority or influence in this new place. And of course, all the questions that get asked in these sort of places, the why and the what questions. Um, why are we in this foreign land and, and, and what does this mean for the future? And what is God doing? Or more, maybe the other question is, what is God not doing? What is he not doing in this place? There is nothing easy, when you find yourself thrust into a challenging and difficult place for whatever reason that might be. It can bring fear. There there can be painful memories for us. Um, There's often a sense of of loneliness and and hopelessness. There's a reaction which is very, very common when you find yourself in a place where you really don't want to be. It's to focus on the perceived injustices of your situation, to be um, critical and bitter to those that you see are responsible for putting you there. Um, for, for those taken into Babylon, there was actually a common complaint about their lot of suffering, which they saw had been caused by God's unfair treatment of them. It was right through this community, the exilic community. In both Jeremiah and Ezekiel, there's a proverb found which expresses this complaint. Listen to it, Jeremiah 31, 29. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. There was this mood, this underlying sense among the exiles that they had copped a raw deal. We do not deserve such poor treatment it was the sin, it was the sins of others, those of our ancestors who got us into this mess, and we're the ones who've got to live with the painful consequences of of others' actions. Now hear this this morning it's okay to express our, our sorrows and our tears in the place of suffering that's okay, but when that moves into accusations or of God's injustice that we've been treated wrongly or or in the pit of self-pity we accuse God that he does not care or he is not interested in our well-being then you're actually embarking on a path which mars your relationship with God it renders you ineffective for service and, and it ultimately sentences you to a life that goes nowhere with God Now, if you read through the Bible, you will see that there are a lot of people who do a lot of complaining about God. Hmm? You notice that about the Bible? You read the Psalms, whoa, whoa. You know why there are so many complaints in the Bible? Because life is very painful. Have you found that? It's painful life. And the longer you go, the more you realise it. It's painful. This is one of the things I love about the Bible. There's a realism about the Scriptures, you know, that it's not myths and everything to make it look, you know, honky-dory. There's a realism about the Bible. So this morning, I want to look briefly at a time in Jeremiah's life when he was in a tough place and he let his dissatisfaction about his situation be known to God. Jeremiah 15. Verses 16 to 18, let me read. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. That's a nice way to start, isn't it? It's a good way to start. Yeah. He loves the word of God. He's feeding on it, sharing it. Verse 17, I never sat in the company of revelers, never made merry with them. No drunken nights for me. I sat alone because your hand was on me and you would fill me with indignation. I would not get caught up with the godless. He's a righteous man, a godly man. Then verse 18, get this. Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. Now these words obviously came at a low point in Jeremiah's life where there had been this deafness to his preaching by a hard-hearted people over such a long period of time. There were constant attacks on his character and the and the seeming lack of vindication by God had him telling God that he was like one of those streams that you see in the distance, you know, the... They look like water's flowing through them, but when you get close to it, it's bone dry. In other words, God, you're a faker. You promise, but you don't deliver. Now, that's a pretty big accusation to make about God. Don't you think so? From this Deeply godly man. Don't think this word this morning is just for those who are young in the faith, folks, who run into a bit of suffering. This is for all of us on the journey of life because it's hard. It is hard. The Bible is full of complaints from many godly people. It's very biblical to take things up with God in prayer. Just, just hear that this morning. Jeremiah was doing the right thing. But the key lies then in how we respond. When then God speaks in return, when we raise the issue and then what he says in reply. This was God's reply to Jeremiah at this time. Jeremiah 15, 19. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, You will be my spokesman. There were obviously some elements of self pity in Jeremiah's complaint that was actually threatening the divine purpose of his life. It is very, very difficult to serve God when our hearts are saying, God, you are not trustworthy. God's not offended or, or God's not dismissive of these sort of complaints. But he does not want us to stay in that place because long-term bitterness crushes faith. Did you know? It crushes faith. And it renders us ineffective in our service for Christ. God wants us back on our feet. Did you know that? In this place, in this sort of time, when it's like this. He wants us back on our feet and ready again for more holy missions, however difficult they may be. And so he will not indulge our self-pity because God is committed to freeing us from the selfishness of our hearts. Did you know that? That's his heart for us. To make us into men and women, he wants us to be, called us to be in Jesus Christ. And he wants to clear up a commonly held expectation that he is there to make our lives safe and and good and comfortable and successful in this world. Folks, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? It is not the gospel. If you look at Jesus Christ's life, you see the rigours and the difficulty and the opposition and the pain and the suffering, including the cross itself. We follow in the master's footsteps. This is our calling. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why he called Jeremiah to repentance here. A call that Jeremiah obviously embraced because he certainly continued in his mission, his prophetic role beyond chapter 15, praise God. But it wasn't just a call to repent. God also gave powerful words in this place to to stiffen his resolve and and his courage in this very low moment where things were tough. Listen to verse 20. God went on to say this. I will make you a wall to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue and save you, declares the Lord. Now, if you see these words here in chapter 15, if you go back to chapter one, where Jeremiah received his original call to serve God, listen to how similar these two statements are. Listen. Jeremiah 118. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. God gives this man at this very moment of time a reminder of his original commission to strengthen this man. This is your ongoing calling. And fresh faith and commitment again filled Jeremiah's heart. It is freedom. It's freedom from our sinful selves. And the constant flow of strength and courage from God, that is what he wants for our lives, folks. It's freedom from our sinful selves. And it comes as we honestly but humbly respond with repentance and trust in those very places where we feel it is so hard, where we feel that we can't take anymore. But that is such an important space. If you're here this morning and the circumstances of your life have not been what you would have planned for your life to be, You may have even tried to serve God, but it only brought suffering and apparent failure and your heart's wounded. Your service has ceased. And frankly, you feel that God let you down. Well, the Holy Spirit is calling you this morning, if you're in that place, to freedom. Did you know that this morning? He's calling you to freedom, freedom. It calls for humble repentance. And if you go there, then you will know a fresh infusion of faith and calling and service upon your life again. That's a word for some this morning, some that might be listening online. It's a word for some, this, where it's been painful and hard. And there's been a bitterness that's grown in your heart towards God himself. Repent this morning. And no fresh service, fresh joy in Christ. There's another temptation that's common in the places where life is very difficult. That's one way we can go. This is another. The dislocation and the loss and the hardship. Our hearts are often very attracted to voices that so often promised quick and easy solutions for us. There was a set of um, religious leaders when the exile occurred who were promising that within two years, everything would be back to normal again. They'd be back in Jerusalem again. Everything would be fine. This is what we read, Jeremiah 28, verses two to four, a prophecy that Hananiah made. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jehoiachin, the son of Jehoiachin, king, king of Judah and of all the other exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Gee, it sounds spiritual, doesn't it? It sounds incredibly spiritual. And you can imagine how comforting those words would have been. It's tough that you're not in Jerusalem at the moment, but, but it's all going back to what's you know, familiar and comfortable again, just in short space of time. Why were these prophets um, I'm so popular? Why did people love listening to them and believing that, you know, what they were saying? Because when you're in a place that's hard and and lonely and and pressured, easy, quick solutions are what we long for, aren't they? You know, minimal effort, minimal pain, minimal prayer. Is it any wonder that the exiles here warmed to these sort of messages? The only problem, of course, is that these voices were totally false, totally wrong. They were not speaking what God had said at all. Listen to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 29 verse eight. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Did you hear that? The people were actually wanting this. I was saying, yeah, let's, let's, this, is, this is what we're after. Keep dreaming those sort of dreams. Jeremiah says in verse nine, they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Have you ever wondered why people stand up and tell lies? Ever wondered that? It's because people love to listen to people who make it sound so simple and easy you'll be back on track in no time at all. D- do these four things or three things or whatever it might be and you'll have it all together in no time at all. Believe this and, and your life will soon be fantastic. People love it. People love it. And those who teach and preach it love it That because it brings them to be at the centre of attention. They enjoy the kudos, being God's mouthpiece full of spiritual authority and and inside, the false prophets, the super apostles, if we want to put it in a New Testament context, the spiritual stars, they always seem so appealing and they are quick to attract others. And in all their spiritual superiority, they're quick to criticise and attack those who are God's true messengers. It always goes together, those two things. One of these false prophets prophets called Shemaiah had sent a a letter of complaint to the priests in Jerusalem. Listen to this, listen to this. Jeremiah 29, 26. The Lord has appointed you priest in place of Jehoiada to be in charge of the house of the Lord. You should put any maniac who acts like a prophet into the stocks and neck irons. So why have you not reprimanded Jeremiah from Anathoth who poses as a prophet among you? He has sent this message to us in Babylon, Babylon. It'll be a long time. Therefore build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. I found it so interesting, so interesting that all the predictions that Jeremiah had made about God's judgment coming upon the people of Judah prior to the invasion of the Babylonians. Prophecies which Jeremiah had been criticised for, attacked about, called a traitor, landed him a lot of trouble. They all came to fulfilment just as he he prophesied. Now you would think that that would silence the critics, wouldn't you think that? Don't you think that would bring a trust in, in what he was saying because what he said came true? But the rebellious you see, they do not give up that easily. And so false messages and criticisms just continue to flow. But over time, this is what you always find, over time, false hopes, easy solutions that they promise, they're always exposed for what they are. They're always a set of half-truths, their lies, their fabrications, their misinformation, and the pride and deceitfulness of their characters comes to light. We see it again and again and again through the history of our world, through the history of the church, in fact. The trouble, of course, is that false teachers do enormous damage. They encourage people to escape reality and to avoid the long, arduous path of repentance and humble obedience throughout a lifetime. They cause distrust and they cause doubts about those whom God has really appointed to speak and guide. And they set people on paths which inevitably lead to disillusionment and disengagement from holy mission. Because that's what happens. You listen to the false prophets, you end up being disillusioned and you think, wow, this doesn't work. If you feel dislocated this morning, just be cautious. You be cautious. We need to be cautious about anyone or anything that promises the easy solution, the, the quick return to the place where you feel comfortable and at home, to, to be wary of those with critical, be so wary about those, with the critical and the judgmental spirits towards those who God has appointed to guide in troubled times. Be cautious, be cautious. Neither of these paths. Remaining in the immobilising self-pity and the complaints of divine injustice, that path. Or on the other hand, embracing some quick fix solution by those who love their own spiritual glory. Neither of those are God's path for those who find themselves in the unfamiliar and the uncomfortable places. God had a plan. He did have a plan for his people in exile. Actually, he had incredible plans. Right in the midst of all these uncertainties and the dislocations of their lives. Listen to what Jeremiah, the true prophet, wrote to those who found themselves in Babylonian exile. Listen to this, Jeremiah 29, 4-7. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried, into exile. Actually, if you go back to verse 1, it talks about Nebuchadnezzar carried them into exile. Here it actually says, I carried them into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. What a radically different message Jeremiah gave to the exiles than the false prophets. Don't put your life on hold in exile. Don't do that. Don't disengage from the every, everyday routines and responsibilities of life. Don't... Don't give up or or believe in some quick fix solution. You have to start building right where you are, right where God's taken you. You've got to build there. It's actually going to be a long stay there. Start those homes, engage in, in work and plan those weddings and plan those births. The intention God has for you while you're in that place is not for you to decrease but to increase. But there was more than just the call to you know, get on with their lives. God wanted them to pray for the peace and prosperity of Babylon. Now you think about this. And think about this even in the context we are at the moment. Can you think how radical that direction was? You think about this. The very people who had overthrown their city and country and carted them off into captivity, they were now being commanded to pray for that society's blessing. You think about that. Because when people do invasions, not good things happen. Do you know that? We see that all around us in the wars. Terrible things take place. How radical is this? Pray for those who have done those things for you. Pray for their society to be blessed. It was true then as it's true now that blessing our enemies is the surest way to experience God's blessing in our lives. Did you know that? The ones who have been against you, to pray for blessing for them is the surest way to know God's blessing in your life. It's funny, isn't it? Listen to what Jesus said, if you're thinking I'm making this up. Jesus said this, love your enemies, Luke 6.35, love your enemies, do good to them, and then what? Your reward will be great. We're beginning a, a really powerful contrast here. On how to deal with those times when we find ourselves devastated, traumatized by what unfolds in our lives. You can look at a situation you find yourself in and make an inventory of what's wrong. And the purpose of that is to feed your feelings, you see, that you've copped the raw deal, that these things are bad things that have happened to you and justified maybe your anger towards God in that or to look for some quick quick fix solution to it all. Or you can choose to live the most productive, prayer-centered life you can. Blessing those in the very place where you would actually prefer not to be. That, that decision is of enormous importance. It, It just has a huge impact on the quality of one's life. I'm not speaking here about positive thinking. If you're thinking that, you've got the wrong view here, totally wrong view. I am speaking about whether your life is centred on God or whether it's centred on you. That's what I'm speaking about. In Jeremiah's letter to the exiles, there is more counsel that, that he gives about how to live as God desires in the place of dislocation there's amazing promises and an invitation from God that, that, that revolutionises how the exiles understood this traumatic period of their captivity. Listen to these words which are charged full of life and hope. Just hear them. These are for all of us this morning. I just want you to take hold of these words. You've got them coming. They're coming here. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And here's the verse that we often quote, well known. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Wow, did you hear those words? What hope that would have brought to the hearts of those in the exile. Not just that you know God had this plan, in time to to take them home. But even in the midst of their captivity, God had a plan to bless them. And wonderful and great things did take place in this place of dislocation, great things took place. Listen to some of these. Rather than losing their identity as God's people while they were in exile, they discovered it. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and Daniel, they stood in firm allegiance to God in the face of enormous pressures to compromise. They were not enculturated in the Babylonian world. They found themselves to be God's people and they stood firm as God's people in that place. The sin of idolatry that had plagued the nation of Israel for such a long time, damaging and destroying their faith in God would finally be overcome in the crucible of the exile. That's when it got out of the Jewish faith. That's when they become monotheists in the full sense of what that meant, a loyalty to God. That took place in the exile. They did make a contribution to the welfare of their captors, captors, sometimes rising to positions of of great responsibility as we see in the stories of Esther and, and Daniel and Nehemiah and others. And their hearts were humbled in this period And their prayers became deep and meaningful. Listen to part of Daniel's prayer. Listen to this. This prayer that happened in the exile. Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name we do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. The violent dislocation of exile, it shook them out of this this comfortable, this shallow, this self-focused existence that had, that had been living in, in their home country. They lost everything that they thought was important and you know what they found? They found what was truly important. They found God, you see. They found God. They found God. Jeremiah 29, 13, 14. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. The place of of dislocation and, and powerlessness was not because God was against them, but because God was for them. And he wanted them to discover the abundant life that he had planned for them. Whenever we are taken out of our comfort zone and placed in the crucible of suffering, the suffering that just marks our world and marks our journey, it has the potential to have a deeply profound effect for good on our spiritual existence. Did you know that? In the early 2000s, the assistant manager of Baptist Financial Services in New South Wales, he was jailed for two and a half years for misusing the funds that he managed. Now, this is a Christian man Keep this in mind. We're not talking about non-Christians, then Christians. This is a Christian man, married to a Christian wife. She mightn't have thought about that when she was marrying this guy. That that's where a part of their journey would go. This is what he said when speaking of that season of his life. I think for so long, while I had been a Christian. My life had just been so dominated by every thought and whim about me. Did you hear that? This is the Christian man living, but the sin is still about him. Yet when I was brought to that point of brokenness, having lost my whole reputation, God put me in a place where I couldn't rely on myself anymore. God had to bring me to that low point where all I could do was look up at him. You see, do you see the change that took place? My life's about me. He hits the low point and then finally, his eyes are truly on God. This is what his wife Rachel said about the ordeal. Part of what she said anyway. As the trial commenced, I assumed God would rescue us from our greatest fear, prison time. It was a really long process of recognising that I had a very wrong concept of who God was. I had seen, remember this is a person who grew up as a Christian. Loved Jesus a long time. I had seen God more as a fairy godmother who could fix things and wave a magic wand and make things better. But the reality is that we make mistakes and we have to face the consequences of those choices. And to be honest, I think real growth came for me in trusting him through the consequences rather than avoiding them, through them. So instead of a miraculous verdict, yeah, I'm not guilty, which would have been wonderful in a lot of ways, we have learned so much more going through it rather than being delivered from it. Isn't that an interesting observation about that experience? We learn so much more going through it rather than being delivered from it. Illness, accident, job loss, divorce, dislocation, disaster, death of a loved one, our very failures and mistakes, you see, and and we all make them. Even our sins, this is the incredible thing about God. They can take us to a place, I know, where we would rather not be, I understand that. But when you find yourself there, you've got a choice. You can choose to remain in the place of complaint, to accuse God about some sort of indifference to your situation. You can listen to some voices which point to the easy way out but will inevitably lead to disillusionment, distance from God. Or you can choose the long road, the long road of repentance and obedience. Building afresh. Seeking the welfare and the blessings of others right where you find yourself in that place. And seeking the Lord more deeply than you have ever sought him before in your entire life. This does not mean you're going to be spared pain. That's what I want you to hear that so clearly this morning. But God promises this to you. Hear this. This is the, this is the part about the blessing. God promises that you will find him there. You'll find him. You'll find him. that he'll bring about the godly changes and transformation in you that he is wanting to bring in your life as you go through the journey in our painful world. And that he will finally bring about a glorious conclusion. It's a great ending for us, folks. You do know that in Jesus, however hard this life is. It's a great ending. His promises really are rock solid, sure. You just got to understand them correctly, but but hear this promise. It's true for us this morning. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He loves us as we heard in communion this morning. You heard that, didn't you? He loves you incredibly. For I know the plans I have for you. This is for you, every one of us. All those online, it's for every one of us. Declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. It's life in him, life in Jesus Christ. That's what he wants for us. As we conclude this morning, I just wanted to take some time just to pray briefly about the things the Holy Spirit has been wanting us to hear this morning. There are individual matters for for us to bring and you know what they may be. I pray the Holy Spirit's been bringing those to your mind as you've been listening to his word this morning. But we as a church too, along with the wider church of Jesus Christ, we find ourselves in a season full of dislocation and difficulties. As, as does our community and nation and the world for that matter. And so what we need to do in that place is what? We need to call on the Lord. Isn't that right? That's what we do as God's people. We call on Him. And that's our responsibility, our special responsibility our nation because there's a lot of people in our nation who don't know that they're meant to call on the name of the Lord, unable, don't have a relationship. This is our calling church and it's an important one. And He is listening and he will help us and bless us as he promised. He will. So we're we ready to pray. Come, let's pray. Let's pray together. I invite you to do that now. Just four things to pray for this morning. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We come into your holy presence. I know you've been with us, Lord, but in a sense we just joined together now. throne room of heaven that's been opened up through Jesus Christ our Lord who actually takes our prayers to you a Heavenly Father, thank you lead us in our Holy Spirit for those here this morning and those that are online and you find your place you find yourself in a place where you're really struggling um, with the circumstances of your life, things have not turned out as you would have thought they would and there's a complaint being expressed or maybe a complaint that's hidden in your heart Complained about God's indifference. Well, this morning Jesus wants to set you free and recommission you for service. Nothing changes in the circumstances, but everything changes in the heart. It's a very simple, short prayer, but it can be so powerful this morning if that's where you are. Listen, you pray this prayer. Oh Lord, forgive me. And help me to trust you completely. Such a simple prayer, but it's so powerful, folks. For those here this morning listening to voices who seem to have all the answers or suggested ways to to dodge the pain or to seek to see suspicion in those appointed by God, then Jesus wants to save you from disappointment. It's a simple prayer. Maybe we should all pray this this morning. Oh Lord, guard me from error. Make me humble, Lord, discerning, Lord, and patient, I humbly pray. Hear our prayers, O God. For those who are in the place of long obedience, Enduring the trials just day after day after day. Serving those who are hard to serve. Loving those who have wronged and injured us. Waiting for change to come. And Jesus wants to strengthen you again this morning. I pray you've been hearing that as His Word's been preached. There's a prayer for you to pray. For us to pray. Oh Lord. Help me to hold on to you day by day and to keep trusting in your plans to bless. In my prayer, oh God. And finally, for us as a church in this season of great disjointedness and trial in our community and world, Jesus wants us to pray with great faith, great faith, church, for a great work of His Holy Spirit, even in the midst, a broken, damaged, painful world. I use some of the words of Daniel. Oh Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God. Do not delay. Because we long for your name to be lifted high. Oh Lord, awaken our land, awaken our We pray these prayers in the name of Jesus Christ who through His death and resurrection has conquered all things, who reigns this day over all the heavens and the earth. We pray these prayers in His name. Amen. We come now, church, to sing a song. I pray this will encourage our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our belief in what He's doing, even when we do not see Him working, that our faith will be in Him and who He is and His character and what He does. So come church, let's stand. Worship our great God together.
0: Word situations and circumstances of life, God is at work. And when He is at work, I want to tell you, there's always hope for the future. I want to finish with these words from Jeremiah 29 one more time as we conclude our service. This is what the Lord says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is God's desire for each and every one of us. That we would seek Him with every part of our being, all of our hearts. And so I want to invite you again this week individually just to seek God. Whatever the situation or circumstance you might be in, God's desires that you would just turn to Him, seek Him. And for us corporately, I want to invite you to come, pray with us this week as we pray for our world. As we ask God to move in situations and circumstances where there so often seems like there is no hope. But we have the hope in Jesus to so come join with us as we pray together. Let me pray to conclude our time together. Heavenly Father, we thank You that you always moving, that you're a miracle working God, that you're always working out your plans and your purposes Lord thank you that it's in that place of of often trial and suffering Lord where you do your deepest and greatest work in our lives and so I want to pray Lord for some who are in that place this morning you'll bless them, you'll encourage them just right now by your Holy Spirit you'll draw so near help them Lord just to keep trusting you, keep looking to you have faith, Lord, that you're moving in their situation circumstances. We do that for our world, our city, our nation, our world, Lord. In the midst of the troubles and trials, Lord, you are moving. You are working out your plans and you have a mighty plan. Lord, there is great hope for the future as we look to you, Jesus, just as we seek you this week, Lord, individually, corporately. We want to seek you with all of our heart, Lord. We need you, great God. We need you so desperately in our lives, in our world, in this community, great God. And so we want to pursue you again this week with all of our heart. And so we ask, Lord, I pray for your blessing on each and every one here this morning, Lord. Just bless, Lord, I pray this week ahead. May we be so aware, Lord, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. Your nearness with us, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said... Amen. Please be seated. Thanks for sharing with us today. If you'd like prayer, our prayer team down the front here, they'd love just to pray for you over any circumstance. Uh, If you're online, make sure you email through to prayeratbridgman.org.au. We'd love to pray for you as well. Our Connections Lounge is opening up in the back corner. If you're new this morning, head over there. We'd love to welcome you. Grab your coffee as well. But God bless you. Thanks so much for sharing with us.